0: Welcome to Health System CIO's interview with Greg Peoples, Chief Information Security Officer with UofL Health. I'm Anthony Guerra, Founder and Editor-in-Chief. Greg, thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: Awesome. Looking forward to having a fun chat. Greg, you want to start out by telling me a little bit about your organization and your role?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. So UofL Health... Um, um, came from the University of Louisville uh, Medical Center. Uh, they had kind of a doctor practice and they had a medical center. And uh, about five years ago, they were approached by the state uh, about buying out uh, the Kentucky One hospitals that were owned by uh, CHI. Mm-hmm. And so we essentially quadrupled in size then. And obviously that, that kind of makes a challenge for IT, making things all, all work. But uh, um, uh, they they you know, made it past that hurdle. uh, And I joined um, in March of 22 as a CISO and um, kind of uh, trying to make progress uh, since then. Very good. Um, So you mentioned
0: you joined in March of 22, so not too long ago. Um, How did you sort of get up to speed and uh, jump right into the deep end of the pool? What's, uh, What's it like as a CISO sort of, Getting your uh feet wet or getting your getting uh i forget the proper expression sort of uh, hitting the ground running I don't know yeah, what's your what's of, your uh, agenda for the first few months like what are you trying to do
1: well i'm um, I kind of look at it as you know you need to understand security you need to understand i t and then you need to understand the business and you know and, and quite frankly, you're doing those in parallel so um you know. And quite frankly, I'd like to start some of that before my, even my first official day. What are all the security tools you have? You know, what are the order charts for, for security, for IT, and for the kind of the leadership of the business? And um, so, you know, it's, you know, meet your team, you know, what are they doing, division of work? What are all the tools? Who manages each tool? You know, getting an impression of what's working well, what's not. And then you start meet, meeting with the IT leaders as soon as you can. You know, hey, I'm Greg from security. I'm here to help. Um, what are your top two or three things? How have you interacted with security in the past? And uh, what, what issues do you see? Um, and in my 10 years of consulting, did a lot of security assessment engagement. So you're always kind of asking those questions of kind of what best practices do you have? You know, have, are there any, you know, pen tests or audits or any of that kind of stuff you can kind of, kind of go from? But, um, you know, it's all about, you know, understanding. Where they're at, um, where can you add value quickly? You don't want to go down a rabbit hole of big projects. Um, you know where maybe you can understand things better, make some have, have some quick wins, and then look at you know uh, taking on those bigger battles um, later. And then understanding how IT is supporting the business, so you understand how your stakeholders are. So I, I really start with what security doing. What's IT doing? Who are the leaders that can help influence um, security? And then um, putting that uh, plan together and then just trying to, um, you know, put out the small fires that pop up along the way. And there's a few like 90 day plans out there. I think it's all about the same thing. It's how fast can you learn uh, what's there and um, uh, figure out how you can add value. And then I like to... Uh, I like to say when you talk about policies, for example, um, make decisions once and execute many. So try not to get stuck in, you know, in certain processes or challenges, but continue to learn and, and let those things that can keep following the existing process go. So you mentioned that
0: you like to get going even before day one. You know, you want to get in and have an effect. Um when you are interviewing for a position as a CISO, are there some things that you can find out? I'm I'm sure there are some things that you might want to know that it would be inappropriate to ask sort of uh, inside baseball stuff that you're not going to know until you're part of the team. But there may be some things that you can find out. Uh, I don't know about specific technologies or architectures or networks, but certainly, you know, you may say, I, I want to meet with, Well, you got to imagine you're going to meet with whoever you're reporting to, right? But you also might say, well, I'm interested in this position, but I want to meet with some of the key people that are reporting to me. I want to know what kind of team I'm walking into. Um, Are there things that you were looking for in terms of figuring out if this place was going to be a good fit for you? Because with security, if it's not thought of as a value add or an important element, if it's thought of as a nuisance, that may not be a place you really want to work
1: no, I, I agree, and uh, you know, hopefully that comes out in the interview process. You're asking those questions of, "Hey, what what can I be doing? What challenges do you see that I need to face?" Um, initially, um, you know, I've I've had other interviews before I came to U of L Health, where you know you might meet the team and others where you didn't. At U of L Health, I uh, had I met with the entire security team. Um, 30, 45 minutes where they got to ask questions and, you know, and you're really trying to pull data for them. So what do they think is important and how, how can you help them? Where Where do they see as their challenges? And that's a lot of that time it's going to be, we need to expose a spokesperson at the uh, support at the IT level for making decisions or challenging um, those things. And, yeah, and I think that's an important part of that. So um, I do like speaking to the team that's helpful. And when you're speaking to typically in those interviews, you're, you're, depending on who you report to, you'll speak to that person, but then also your peers typically in the IT arena. So, what challenges do they have? How can you help? And are they, you know, perceived to be helpful for security? I think, I think in healthcare, you know, it, it, you're in an industry of you're helping people. And, you know, I've, I've seen all of the IT leaders want to support you they may not know how and they may have conflicting interests, but, um, you know, I, I do think, you know, healthcare is built around people that that want to help and, you know, they're good people to partner with typically within IT. It's just a matter of finding that middle ground and um, being able to influence them and, you know, creating that level of trust.
0: Do you feel like, security is in a much different light than it was even three years ago in terms of the willingness of the business and, and it in general to embrace the changes that you feel need to be made. Even if some of them may slightly disrupt workflow or require an extra click, such as multi-factor authentication, you know, security to get in there, you want to be as unobtrusive, unobtrusive as possible, but sometimes you do have to, you know, put something in that, that, People would rather do without. So, do you find the reception of that messaging is a little bit better received now that people see ransomware attacks, places down for months, they more understand where you're coming from.
1: Well, I think so. There's, there's uh, here in Louisville, there's a there's a large uh, hospital that that we work with frequently that had uh, had a security event this summer, and that was certainly in the news when when you know they're down for for you know over a month. Uh, that impacts our doctors and all of our leadership when you know we, we we do business together, our doctors practice over there as well. So um, you know, that's influenced the L Health leadership. Um, the healthcare organization I was at before here, um, we were in the process of, process of implementing 2FA. They expected a lot of um, uh, pushback from a number of users. And they said, Well, you know, everybody's been doing this for you know, five plus years at their banking and, uh, institutions, et cetera, uh, our data is no less important than that. So that was, you know, the, you're looking at those examples um, to to help roll that out, that this is really, um, you know, their industry expectations and best practices.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, I, you know, I think that existed even three years ago, maybe not seven or eight years ago, but that's certainly ramping up that, that awareness of these events going out there, and even you know, let's say your average nurse manager is more aware of these kind of things than, let's say, they would have been you know four or five years ago.
0: Right, right. So, what are some of the main things that are on your mind, either trends or things you're watching or
1: things you're working on? What's sort of the the big ticket items on your mind these days? Well, uh, so this is you know entirely focused on healthcare, um, you know from I, I meet with a group of my peers monthly. So we're kind of in the same 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 spot. And, you know, hospitals might be in different levels of maturity when it comes to their business. You know, U of Health, kind of multiple hospitals that were kind of thrown together. So we have a little bit more process maturity we need to add. But, uh, you know, I, I think we're all facing that challenge of of capital and expense. Hey, we want to build new buildings, you know, refresh our buildings, but we also need to Update our technical stack. We need, you know, update network equipment. um, You know, um, workstations. um, You know, we may still even have Windows two thousand and three and two thousand and eight, and you know, the hardware is not as expensive as the as the applications that are on there. So, you know, that level of technical debt and kind of um, competing for those dollars where. Uh, in healthcare, you know, you need to have nice, um, nice offices and that type of thing. So we're, we're competing with those, um, you know, with other projects for capital where other, other organizations may think of that as just kind of an ongoing IT, um, update expense.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, people use the term sexy a lot about technology, different technologies, you know, updating, um, different technologies that, that are seen now as technical debt, which have security risk along with them. That's certainly about as far from sexy as you're going to get. Right. But, but you're saying, you're talking about how important it is that we, we upgrade some of the stuff because it's like Swiss cheese from a security point of view. You know, I just can't look at this. I can't have this stuff. We can't have this in our environment. So here's the dollars I need And it's sort I guess it's on you is what you're saying. That's the art. It's on you to convey the risk, right? You're the chief risk officer in a sense. You are to convey the risk and say, hey, here's the risk. You do what you want with it. But my job is to tell you about it.
1: Well, and um, that's like anything. You're doing a project at your house or anything. Um, You really need to clean up your current project before you move on to the next one hey, you didn't finish that trim. You know, I, I might hear this stuff at home occasionally. But, um, you know, it's the same with IT projects. Hey, we we had an acquisition. Um, we got them up and running. Uh, we didn't take care of their technical debt. We're assuming that, um, you know, let's we're going through some of those servers now. It's like, can we even find any, anybody that knows anything about it? Or is it just everyone's afraid to turn it off? Um, and I like to say is if you didn't sit around the right campfire, you don't know the story. And um, so, uh, I, for me, my job sometimes just keep asking those questions. Who knows something about this server? Let's see what we can do. You know, um, it comes down to it. You do the kind of the screen test. But uh, um, I, I, I've developed a quality. I I, I call it uh, positive persistence. I just keep asking questions politely until till we make progress. And um, and that's just what you have to do. Um, You know, you can't focus on the technical debt all the time, but you have to have that. um, Make sure you're making progress on those things, as well as looking at new technologies. Hey, AI, um, you know, business analytics. um, You know, you can't build a second story on your house if you have a bad foundation. So it's you. um, You know, I'm curious still about the, uh, you know, 90 percent fundamentals making sure that, you know, we do what we're supposed to do and and make sure we're not doing what we're not supposed to do um, and, and, and cleaning those up as we kind of look at moving forward with other technologies.
0: Right. So to, going back to what you're saying about, you know, for example, the server you referenced, um, and this could happen sometimes, I guess, at the application level too, where, you know, you hear about different things that were homegrown and maybe the person who developed it is gone and nobody knows how to use it. Or are you talking about a server where we don't even know what it's supporting and nobody seems to know what this thing does? And do we just shut it off and see what happens? Is that what you're talking about? Kind of. Oh, yeah, that's the screen.
1: <laughs> but, you know, that is that's the last resort. <laughs> uh, no one, no one in IT knows anything about it. Um, and especially when we talk about having acquisitions. You know, this may have been part of one of our hospitals that we acquired five years ago, and it was a 10-year-old system then. You know, you've, maybe the business leader that supported it or used it is not there either. So, um, you know, you're reaching out to the business sometimes and say, "Who who's using this? But, um, uh, you know, if, if you've been at the same hospital for 20 years, you may know all those things. Yeah. Like where you have acquisitions and people with turnover just make some of that, you know, kind of I call that tribal knowledge harder to harder to track down.
0: And you want to assign risk to everything. So this server or whatever we're talking about could be sort of benign, right. Or it could be, this is something that needs to be taken care of like immediately. So, and that's why you're trying
1: this per- persistence. Uh, and um, I, I, I talk about these risks in healthcare terms. It's like, uh, uh, having malware on an endpoint is is like a heart attack This this could get you immediately um, having you know um, 30 windows 2003 boxes out there are more like a cancer if you just allow technical debt to keep growing it'll keep getting worse any one machine may be low risk by itself but if you don't um, have a process around it that risk will continue to grow so it's it's they're both risks, but um one of them's more immediate. The other, um, if if you do not have process around it, will 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 grow. Do you the other side of it? It's you're, you're up IT resources to manage this stuff as well.
0: Right. Right. Well, those were great sort of analogies, obviously, for healthcare. Do you use those? when you're speaking to business leaders or the
1: board, or do you use those kind of analogies before just to talk about types of risks. So there's those risks. We got to jump on immediately. We've got, you know, um, somebody downloaded some uh, malware or something on a machine or opened up a, a fish with an attachment versus um, having things that we just choose to ignore like old technologies or applications that have not been updated for a while. (laughs)
0: yeah i mean and the key the key for someone in your position is to at least know what's going on right because then you can address it if you've got sort of a heart attack type risk out there that you don't know about for some reason that's the worst case scenario right yes and that can happen how does that happen how does that how can that happen
1: um so maybe you found out you have subnets that you're not monitoring Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I bought this tool. So we have dark trace, which is an awesome tool for monitoring um, East West traffic on our network. Um, but you know, when you, when I first got here, you know, we, we had a, well, I call a near miss uh, someone downloaded um, a malicious um, uh, PDF um, and um, they had an old version of CrowdStrike on their workstation that um that tried to reach out to um, a um, foreign website to download something. Our geo-blocking did not work. And um, Darktrace did not block it going out. It just happened to try to talk to a domain controller. Darktrace caught that. Our, one of my guys saw that within two hours. We shut the machine down and then we started going through all of those controls. And we learned that, hey, Darktrace wasn't covering all of our workstations. This is when I first started. Mm-hmm. so. Um, I, you know, with every tool, there's two things. Does it do what it's supposed to do? Does it cover what it's supposed to cover? And um, you're always going back and asking those questions. Okay, you 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 know proved it to me three months ago. Let's check and make sure they haven't made any changes. So it's like, I, I look at that as fundamentals. It's just the tools that we have. Let's not go buy another tool that we manage poorly if we don't take care of the ones we have once we're have confidence on in our controls then we can go look at improving some other controls last thing you want to do sit here and say oh i'm i know we're taken care of um but um um you learn oh well we haven't updated that in a while or something's missing so when we talk about hey you know do we have those subnet covered it's is asking you know those kind of uh, questions of is it really working the way it's supposed to taking taking away of my, my, my fears and, and doubts.
0: Right. Help you sleep at night. Um, and, and with these tools, um, there's a, there's sort of two parts, right? There's the vendor's part. Like, does the tool work properly? Does it do what it's supposed to do? And then there's your part, right? Did we roll it out properly? Are we using it properly? Right. So there's, there's two sides of that responsibility. And I guess you want to make sure both of those, both parties, are living up to their end of the bargain including you your part right
1: right right and and we have a smaller security team you know i was when i was at cvs we had you know probably about 160 people we're you know for the security operations we're at you know four people um so we can't be experts in everything so we have to have good relationships with our vendors mm-hmm. you're asking our vendors hey you know if you're gonna sell us this product we want you to you know, do a best practice assessment, you know, um, at least every six months, help us figure out how do we how do we improve this? I, most of our vendors we're meeting with monthly. Hey, what new capabilities do you have? What's changing? What new risks are out there and how do you protect from that? So, you know, uh, you know, versus trying to be an expert in everything is we have to have those good partnerships with our vendors Um And sometimes it's not always having the, you know, the best tool, according to Gartner, but it's having a tool that you can deploy effectively and will partner with you.
0: Yeah. And we did a webinar about this recently, actually rolling, uh, you know, making sure that you understand what you're going to have to bring to the table in terms of support to run a cyber tool, right? Because especially when you have a small team, a lot of lots of people have small teams you don't want to take on a tool that needs six people to support it, right? No. And a lot and that's why a lot of times you want services with the tool these days, right? We'll buy the exactly. tool, but we don't want to have to deal with every alert that pops up. We want you to handle a lot of that or something like that.
1: Well, and, and we could probably spend hours talking about kind of vendor relationships and you know, finding those vendors that support you. Uh the old joke is yeah I've got 3 people that work, work for me and I got 4 people that work against me. <laughs> um yeah. we, we want everybody to move in the same direction and and especially your vendors as you know we we switched MSSPs um you know about 6 months ago and and, and you know the first first vendor was we were getting alerts you know like a week late. Um, oh. you would call us in the middle of the night for something that was a week old. I said, it's either a priority or it's not, oh. if it's not, don't call us in the middle of the night. And if it is call us when you first see it. Um, you know, and that's just, um, you know, I know growth at, at the vendors, they have a hard time hiring people as well, but, um, you know, we, uh, I'm, I'm a cheap person naturally. So if I'm going to spend money, I want value for it and you know that's that's kind of my job is to make sure we keep that relationship and um with them we keep that dialogue and we're working together and then what can my team do to be better at working with that vendor
0: very good all right i don't know uh i'm not sure if you saw this but so there's some policy stuff going on right so hhs just says they're going to come out with these health sector cyber, uh, their intro, they came out with their introductory strategy for health sector, cybersecurity. It's got four things they're going to try and move forward on. And they said, they're going to release these, um, cyber performance goals. So this is going to come over the next year or two. Um, this may help CISOs, right? Cause you're going to sort of have something that, uh, you could say we have to do this. I think they're going to make it maybe like meaningful use where there's some incentives and then penalties. Um, but just what are your thoughts on, on anything like that? Do you see those things as helpful or, or as problematic for someone in your position?
1: Um, I like a lot of what uh, HHS has, has, has done the 405. Um, yeah. th- there's, there's good information coming out of there. Um, You know, quite frankly that's prob i think it's probably more geared towards the smaller hospitals that you know um we've worked with a few hospitals that don't have any um security staff at all and um I, so that's that guidance is probably more geared towards towards them um however any of that that gets into the eyes of uh, healthcare executive leaders i think helps us sell that message there are um best practices, I would say this is an industry where um, executive leadership probably has, I, I hate to paint a broad brush, but seem to be less technical than maybe even like, let's say financial services or other industries I've been in that, um, that uh, you know, and, and quite frankly, even when you look at regulation, you know, banking, um, you know, bank examiners have the opportunity to shut you down at at any second. Those reviews have a lot more weight than even Mm -hmm. HIPAA. They're waiting to um, punish you after you um, self-admit something's happened. So I I think the regulatory structures from healthcare to other industry, especially financial services are different because I spent a lot of time in both. But um, so I quite frankly, I think any, any guidance like that is probably good for the industry and just keeps us, you know, it, more often than not, they probably come out as, you know, kind of minimum practices. Yeah. So, you know, if you've been in an industry a while, you're trying to be past that, but, um, it's, it's positive. I've can't say that I've looked at all the guidance that's come out in the last, um, last few months. I've tried to try to read up on it, but, um,
0: well, you right. mentioned, yeah, you mentioned 405D. They came out with this, they call it Hiccup, um, is their publication. And uh, so theoretically, it should be, you know, somewhat in, in line with that. And as you mentioned, if you're running sort of a focus robust IT security shop, I doubt there'll be anything in there that you're you're going to have to scramble to do. I mean, right? It should be things say, okay, yeah, we're doing that,
1: we're doing that, kind of a, yeah. Yeah, they they should be following best practices, and when you look at NIST or yeah. ISO, it you know eighty percent of it is all exactly the same. So you know we should be even in the security wolf. So there's a lot of alignment. So uh, that's the best practices. You should be pretty close to that already, assuming you've had any kind of maturity or experience in your in your security program.
0: Do you, Do you think it's kind of the same thing with the uh, cyber insurance, or do they do they
1: push you a little further? some days with these yeah, that's, that's dramatically changed <laughs> in the last few years. So um, um, we were actually able to get a, get, get a discount because I spent a week working on an 80 page questionnaire. Uh, but um, so you're proving those controls, but they're asking better questions, you know, four or five years ago, I was getting two page questionnaires. Um, now, you know, they're much more sophisticated, more in depth on best practices Um You know, two years ago, I I did an 80-page questionnaire, and this year, they had a uh, like a 40-page IOMT um, addendum to that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, obviously, if if, um, our industry is getting hit more, then, you know, the insurers need to, you know, be more robust in their due diligence.
0: Are there any things in those questionnaires, the newer ones that are really robust, are there any things, and you don't have to tell me what they are, but were there any things in there that you said, "Oh, we got to I got to take care of that," or we need to get better
1: there? Or is uh, it
0: or was it like, "Okay, we're good, we're good, we're good."
1: Well, no, there um I can't imagine a security program that can check every box. Okay. You're going to have too many people and too much budget for the hospital to actually run. <laughs> so, um, you know, you can look at those things and say which ones make sense for us because I I just never been in an environment where you're managing um, money and resources of people that you can do everything. So you prioritize and say, this makes sense to me. Um, and if, if they're designing good questionnaires, they are you know, wanting to cover the entire range where they're probably expecting you to be here. So okay. I think the goal is you got to keep, keep getting better. What's the old story is I don't have to outrun a bear. I just have to outrun the person next to me. Yeah, I always like that one. That's that's my impression of of kind of the questionnaires. They're asking everything. Um, and then if we take a few things out of there and say, Oh, the insurance companies really want us to do this, that's you know, whether it's you know, um, it's one thing to have two FA, you know, for external access, but you know, do you have two FA for internal access? So some of those kind of things is you know, you're having to sell to your entire your, you know, internal IT team, you know, your you know, data center team, et cetera. So those are process changes you have to sell internally.
0: I saw in your LinkedIn profile that you uh, you are a certified ethical hacker. Is that correct? Yes. So that's pretty
1: cool. So what uh, is that? I, uh, do you I'll hack do in
0: your spare time at night? Uh, no. no.
1: <laughs> I, I really came up. At, um, I have degrees in accounting and computer science. I started as an IT auditor. And I said I could find problems where I could fix problems, so I had an opportunity to move into security um and then you know wound up doing consulting for ten years where we do a lot of security assessments and audits um so um I wound up in in the beginning of covid uh getting a master's degree, and that um c e h was actually part of the uh, master's program
0: okay, very good. Um, do you like to do that penetration testing? Have that done to to see where you are? Is that something? Uh, you-
1: yes, yeah. Any any outside information I can get. Um, we've had a uh, we've had like three pen tests, two pen tests, and kind of a purple team test with a current vendor that um, I thought was really interesting because it's not just finding one hole, but it's also proving controls along the way. So. You take this information; it's it's just another perspective. Um, you know, if as many doors as they can knock on, then you know we can look at how do we prioritize what we need to do instead of just guessing or we're looking at sales brochures. Um, Active, uh, we got you know a tax surface management tool. Um, you know, so we're always kind of looking at that information and saying, you know, how do we how do we uh, address those things, making sure that we're getting the right inputs into our, um, priorities.
0: Well, Greg, we're almost, uh, out of time. I I found fast. I found, I was right a half hour. I'm not going to let you go until I, I don't know, embarrass you a little bit. I found some fun information about Uh you online, born and raised in the bluegrass state, which is very nice. Grew up playing baseball, played baseball with David justice. You
1: played in college. Yeah. One one year in college. Um, that's uh, pretty cool. Well, um, interesting thing about David Justice—he went to a high school, a Latin school, and he did not go to the seventh or eighth grade. So he was only sixteen when he started college. Okay. Um, so he he um, he physically blossomed while he was <laughs> in college, and and wound up being able to make a pretty good career out of that.
0: Very good. Like to cheer for you, Kentucky Wildcats and Cincinnati Bengals, though.
1: Though well, the cheering um, for
0: the Bengals has been a little limited. Towards well, this season.
1: year, you know, it's funny yeah. how oh, five years ago we had zero expectations and now the bar yeah. is raised really high. So they disappointed this year by losing to Kansas City. Um, I have to be a little bit more careful about my uh, wildcat pride now that, uh-huh. I'm, uh, you know, a part of U uh, of health, which is related to the University of Louisville.
0: Uh huh. So much good stuff out there I found. And I never find this on people uh it, you're stuck in the 60s from a music point of view
1: yes my <laughs> wife complains about that all the time if it was good enough for my older brother it's it's good enough for me <laughs> that's great so you 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 listen to that and you're like i'm good this is my yeah, music I've got, i'm sticking I've with got it. my serious and i'm listening to the 60s maybe the 70s sometimes the what are they when call you're it? feeling when you're feeling a little wild you go to the 70s well, then, you know uh where i live i'm i'm just south of cincinnati but uh-huh. not too far to go take a country drive and put on some good 60s music the beatles or Credence or somebody and just love try. it
0: all right final question uh serious yeah. question now we get back to serious stuff your best piece of advice based on your experience your career in security in healthcare for your colleagues What's your best piece of advice for them to be
1: successful that you've found has worked for you? um your goal is not to win. your goal is to make the the health system better. so how can you do that? How can you partner with your peers to to make it better? We're not here to stop healthcare we're here to make it uh better and more secure so it's it's really about um not winning every battle, making sure you have the right battles and that you are a partner in making things better and not an impediment so it's you know again we talk about uh, positive persistence is we we want to continue to help And uh, we're an advisor from a security perspective we're watching the tools in the back end but all the new business we're trying to help make sure that it's it's secure um you know the big thing that we didn't really even talk about all the risks to worry about but all you know every healthcare is bringing in hundreds of vendors And all of these vendors are now in the cloud. So we've got so much healthcare data that's leaving. That's kind of one of the, I guess, growing areas of risk that I worry about is vendor sprawl and, um, you know, all of that EPHI that's leaving our network. That's
0: awesome. Yes, you're right. We could go another hour on that, but I'm going to let you go. Greg, absolutely wonderful interview. I want to
1: thank you so much for your time. Well, Anthony, it was great meeting you and uh, I appreciate you reaching out on LinkedIn and uh, um, don't be a stranger. Um, and then I guess I'll, I'll look out for you and in other interviews that you have. I'd love hearing from my peers on on what they're doing as well. Thanks so much, Greg. Thanks hey, appreciate it. <laughs>